Welcome back to The Melancholy Condition. I am your host, Darius Velasquez, and you're listening to Season 3. Enjoy. Here's an ad. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps that people like to listen? How do I make money from podcasts? The answer to every single one of these questions is pretty simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. And that means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. The reason why I love Anchor is just because it's easy. It's simple. It's on my phone. I don't use any exterior hardware. I don't got to do anything really, but just pick up my phone, open the Anchor app, press record, invite my guests, and boom, you have the melancholy condition. So if you want to start your podcast, do so today. Go to anchor.fm two and one welcome back to the melancholy condition i am here with allison is it pena or pena pena thank pena. you okay allison pena go ahead and introduce yourself allison hi i'm allison pena aka bad widow awesome and then go ahead and tell everybody um kind of some of the things that we were talking about off air you know uh the struggles that you've been dealing with for the past couple of years and the things that you're doing to overcome them. Okay. Um, my husband um, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer October 2015 and died in my arms at home in um, September 2016. And my life fell apart. Um, I would lie in bed in the morning and I would have to lie there and think of why I should get up, why I should keep living. And I gave myself little small things to do. Okay, today you're going to go downstairs and stand outside. Today you're going to get up and go to the bathroom. Today you're going to call a friend. So in the beginning, all I could do was really itsy bitsy teeny goals. And so one of the things I did for myself was I just let that be enough. It was all I could do. So that's pretty good, though, because like, I mean, I know a lot of people typically whenever it comes to like bouts of depression, um, especially whenever you have a longer episode, mm -hmm. tend to let that be like you tend to forget that like to reward yourself you know what i'm saying so whether it be you know going to work or not going to work staying in bed all day yep there seems to be at least for myself you forget to give yourself little things to be proud about like hey i got up early this morning i had coffee i had cereal i was out of bed by eight o'clock i didn't sleep until noon yeah those kind of things and i think people tend to forget the importance especially where you're going through these episodes um, just because you have to not only one, hold yourself accountable for the things before you start developing unhealthy habits, mm -hmm. but also you have to teach your brain that even though it's feeling this crazy dark, like it, it belongs in this pit, you 
have to be able to still reward it so you're getting some type of dopamine release somewhere you know what i mean even if it is yep. just getting up at eight rather than sleeping until noon or not staying up till four in the morning you know doing nothing just sitting there thinking you're giving yourself a bedtime and you know putting all electronics down turning it all off and just going to sleep you know what i mean yeah absolutely i mean i i i needed to the hardest thing was not expecting myself just to bounce back because i just couldn't mm -hmm. and to really be glad about the things that i could do without um judging myself or beating myself up for the things that i really couldn't do i mean if if it was a day where what I could do was put my foot on the floor and go to the bathroom, then that was the day. And that was great. Yeah. Um, and, and so just letting myself rest in where I was, was really helpful. I think um, I created all kinds of nets for myself because I kept running into things that didn't work. So one day I went out, and I came back home and I could not walk through my door. My husband's presence was everywhere. And he was a painter. So there were, you know, 50 paintings of his on the wall. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went to a movie. And the next day I made a list of five people. And I called those five people up and I said, look, if I hit a day or a night, even if it's two o'clock in the morning, can I call you up and just come and sit on your couch? You don't have to do anything with me. You don't have to fix me. Nothing. But I just need a short list of people that I could have Depend that on. resource for. And, and five people said yes. And I took it. I used it once. So in the, so in the, in the past four years, you've only had to resort to you know, these, these list of dependable people only once that, that list of people who it was literally, can I call you at 2 AM and just come over if I need to, mm -hmm. it was that level of urgency. But I mean, that's not, that's not bad at all to be able to say that you've only had to do it once. I'm sure there's probably been other moments, you know, in time where you've maybe you have wanted to, but I think, especially in moments like this, right? Yep. This is, it's a very severe, um, what's the word for it? But it's on the tip of my tongue, but I'm not going to waste too, time, too much time thinking about it. The yeah. type of, you know, mindset that you're in and to be able to have this kind of um, support, I guess, from your friends and family, you know, to say, hey, look. Because I have a friend like that as well. That's like, it doesn't matter what time, whenever I was, we were living in the same city, I could call him at 2 a.m. and be like, hey, man, I'm going through it right now. Will you just go to the store with me? Right. Like, exactly. I, you know what I mean? We're going to go to Walmart. We're going to drive 15 minutes to Walmart. I'm not, probably not even going to buy anything. I just need to get out of the house because I'm, I'm terrorized right now in my head and I need to get up. Yep. And I know I'm not going to sleep too much tomorrow, but that's fine. I can accept that. So being able to say, because I find with myself, you know, with my friend, there was moments like, you know, darker episodes mm -hmm. where I would kind of depend on that yep. more than, than turning and saying, hold on, maybe I can handle this by myself. 
Right. Maybe I just need to take a couple of deep breaths, go put my head in some cold water and relax. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's good that it's good that you've only been able, you know, in the past four years had to use this once. I like absolutely had to. And we're able to find a threshold of of saying, you know, finding your self-control. Yeah. I mean, I really I kept tripping over these things that were were problems for me. I I. I didn't know who I was without my husband. We were together 25 years. I was 56 when he died. So that's almost half my life. Mm -hmm. And so I had to figure out for myself what I liked as myself alone. And that was really a process of starting to make distinctions, trying this, trying that. Um, there were things that I'd said I liked, but actually I found out my husband liked them. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I feel like that tends to, that's a lot of people though. You know, it's, that's where, you know, you know, how, where your love stands with people is if you're willing to say that you like something. Um, and you, I think a lot of the times maybe you say you like it and you just kind of tend to adapt to it yep. for the, you know, sanctity of the other person. Oh, exactly. But that was something that I needed to do to start figuring out what I liked in my own right so that I could build a life as myself. And that was kind of a, a reinvention process. So the first step was just flat out healing after my loss, going mm -hmm. through the emotions, getting back into action. I had so little energy that my first job that I was able to do after my husband died was I worked for another widow four hours a day in a Halloween pop-up store. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and this was like, like a party city kind of? Yeah. It was all okay. I could do. And, and after four mm -hmm. hours of putting hangers on racks, I would collapse when I got home. But gradually, I just built up my capacity. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I worked for a few more hours. I reached out to a few more people. And, and my intent was, even if I never got back, and, and honestly, the person you are before such a loss or transition is not the person you are after, ever. Oh, absolutely. Even if you come out of it in a positive light, um, that, that changes people. Absolutely. And, and it's important to not try to get back to who you were because that's devastating. <laughs> I think a lot of the times for, at least for myself, right? Cause I mean, I can't really relate having lost somebody, you know, that was a part of your life mm -hmm. that you call your partner and your support system. Um, you know, that you're with half your life, especially half your adult life. Yep. You know, I've had family and stuff that, you know, we've lost, um, like some uncles and some grandparents that were, that definitely were very much a part of the family. If I didn't see them every other day, you know what I'm saying? But it's a, it's a different story when I brought your spouse, but I can definitely understand, you know, relating yourself to those oppressive episodes whenever you go through, the, through something traumatic and 
having to come out of it and realizing like, hold on, there's a lot of, there's a lot of difference now once you get out of it in a healthy manner because i think the reason why i relapsed into like certain depressive states is because i had to constantly constantly compare myself to who i was before these depressive episodes started happening exactly exactly and if if they're not kind of a passage through to a stronger you so the, the most profound thing that happened was I felt completely broken. Mm-hmm. And I was treated that way by the people around me. And like I would never get back to whole. And I thought, yeah, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is not going to work for me. I am going to find solutions, create resources, because I couldn't find what I needed. So find solutions for healing, find solutions for making distinctions. I learned to get so good and so clear at asking for what I wanted and needed that I got it almost all the time. Because I discovered that people wanted to give me everything I needed, but they didn't want to get it wrong. Hmm. So if I could be so clear that there was no way that they could get it wrong, that they were going to get it right every single time, then they delivered me exactly what I needed all the time. Interesting. So how did you come up with, you know, like the ways that you would tell your, we kind of talked about off air. Yep. Are these the kind of things that you're talking about? Yeah, I um, so I'll give you an example of, of this asking clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really hard to open the mail because for many, many months, all the mail was medical bills. Mm-hmm. And so it was super painful. And after my husband died, I got support, including financial support, to pay my rent for a period of time. So my rent was paid. I thought through March and March 23rd, I got a, my landlord contacted me and said, where's the rent? I said, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you know, it's, it, it was paid. And she said, no, that ended in February. So it's March 23rd. I have no idea where the rent is coming from. And I live in New York city. Mm -hmm. So my rent is not cheap. Yeah. I bet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I wrote a blog post in Bad Widow um, called Grief, Grief, Brain, and Bills. And I just like laid it out. It wasn't poor me because I'm a resourceful person. I knew I would sort it out. But in that moment, I had no idea on the 23rd of March where the rent was going to come. Yeah. And at the end of the blog post, I said, you know, this is real. If you know someone like me, someone going through some kind of transition or some kind of loss, do this. The first thing you do is listen to what is going on with them, what their experience is without judgment. The second thing you do is you don't ask them what they want you to do. Make a suggestion based on what you heard. Hmm. And the third thing is execute asking for guidance as needed. So 
and this still brings me a little bit to tears within 30 minutes my freshman college roommate instant messaged me on Facebook who I had not actually seen in mm -hmm. 15 years and said I'll pay your rent that's crazy did she read the blog post she read the blog, the post? blog post okay she read the blog post she had been following me a lot of people mm. had been following me and she read the blog post and and I said you know I live in New York City feel free to back out my rent is this she said no give me your landlord's name and address she'll have the rent tomorrow wow that's crazy and I said oh my god you're so incredible how you know that was amazing and I was thanking her over and over and over again and she said I just read what you wrote and did it I did just what you, you did said. what you did what you asked yeah. did exactly what you now I didn't ask in the blog post for anyone to pay my rent I just said here's how you here's how you deal with someone like me mm -hmm. in in a circumstance where they're jammed up or where they're going through some kind of transition or some kind of loss and so that was really curious to me mm -hmm. because it was clear to me that if I was specific and clear people really gave me everything I needed as long as I asked the right person and they could deliver it yeah and that was cool I mean that's that's relevant to everything um, and then the third thing that happened so this was kind of three tiers getting through the levels of loss and and mm -hmm. the really interesting thing is that it's not just for a loss like mine it's good for any transition so in any transition everyone goes through these so a job loss there's an identity that you are you grieve that loss you have to reinvent yourself and then the third step is when a loss or transition happens people step up they step back or they step out of your life and typically what we do is we wait for other people to rise up into those spaces to provide the support that we need but we don't do it proactively we don't actually look at how our networks are supporting us look at what we need look at what we care about and it, it's not just business so it's it's business referrals but it's also I really need someone to go I go and I sing open mics about once a week and I really need someone who's going to go and do that with me. I really need mm -hmm. someone who's going to, I'm, I'm not a big spa massage person, but you know, someone to do that with, someone to go for a walk, someone who likes to exercise. So in our networks, we have people that we do different things with. And with 
a few rare exceptions, everybody's not good for everything. Yeah, that's true. Right? But, mm. but we don't look at them. And after every transition, anything that happens, job loss, foreclosure, financial breakdown, health breakdown, aging, we change. Things change. And we need strategies to get through it. And so I developed this kind of three-step process that really works to move through transitions proactively and to move from feeling broken back to thriving. Um, Are these things the this three-tier process? Is this what you, you mentioned in your book? This is going to be in the book. This is the, the thing. These are some of the things I coach people on. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. You don't have to mention it. I don't want you to be giving away no insider secrets on anything. No, it's all good. It's all good. I mean, this is this is this is pretty pervasive. Um, one of the things that really enraged me actually is that um, we're not given time to grieve any loss, any transition. If you lose a job, if you lose a house, if you lose a spouse, if you um, move somewhere, these are big changes. I mean, these put us through stuff, but, but we're not given time. Basically, I got a year to grieve my husband's loss before people were really ready for me to move on. <laughs> 